Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Compete Waffle. My name is Alicia. I'm an advanced sports dietitian and co-founder of Compete Nutrition. This podcast is with an incredible human. There is no getting around it. You are going to leave this podcast a better person for it. She is an incredible person. She was so generous with her time, but also all the you know vulnerability and also um, authenticity within this podcast was just incredible. Liz Dawes is someone that I was introduced to by a colleague of mine, Lauren. She said, I've got this person. I, I don't know if it's right for the podcast, but she's incredible. And, you know, she's organized this event for um, a few years now that's really, really big in Melbourne. And I was like, well, tell me more. This sounds really, really cool. And Liz actually lost her son um, to brain cancer um, a, a few years ago now. And after that, she actually created a run called Connor's Run um, that is an incredible event and is just gaining every year in terms of um, interest but also popularity and the numbers are amazing. The amount of money that it raises is incredible and she's just continually building this impact and awareness around um, brain cancer and brain tumours. And Liz is someone who has achieved in her own right you know before any of this and she's always been this absolute powerhouse when it comes to her career and she's just now creating this additional purpose and you know one thing that she says is that you know I love what I do but I hate why I'm doing it and I thought that was just such a a beautiful way to sum up an impact that you know she'd probably rather not have to be doing um, but something that she is now just so obsessed with in the best possible way uh, in her son's memory so named in the Australian Financial Review um, of 100 Women of Influence 2018 she was obviously oh, ah, sorry <laughs> she was also nominated for Australian of the Year in 2017 uh, and she entered the Australian Day Awards to, in 2015 so uh, an incredible person to listen to she is achieving incredible things uh, and I just know you're going to adore this podcast so I am not going to talk anymore and I'm going to introduce you to the incredible Liz Dawes. Welcome Liz thank you so so much for joining us on the Compete Waffle today. Well thank you for having me. Oh, we are so honoured to have you on board. I, I'm really, really excited just to get to know your story even more and I'm sure and, and just share it with all of our um, listeners as well because you've got, you know, quite a story but also a lot of impact to share with us which I cannot wait to unpack and really go through with you. Good, looking forward to it. Now, you can't miss the accent. So tell us, <laughs> where were you from originally and what brought you to Australia? Originally Wisconsin, so if any of your athletes own a Trek bicycle, Wisconsin is the home of Trek. Um, but we didn't, obviously, we're not connected with, with the company, although we are, <laughs> we, are, we are enthusiasts of their product and ride their bikes. Um, but we were, my husband and I both from Wisconsin, I was working in a manufacturing job. Um, he was working in also a bit of a manufacturing job. We had two little boys, Connor and Nick. I was pregnant with our third, Hannah. Scott was traveling. He had sort of gone into a bit more of a consulting job. Mm -hmm. I was working and we just felt like something had to give. So he, in 1998, I'm dating myself, he had an opportunity to do a project in Wellington, New Zealand. Hannah was six weeks. Uh, Connor was four, Nick was two. And we bundled up our family and headed off to Windy Wellington, which was a huge move. We were there for a little under a year and a half. 
and Scott had another opportunity to move to Melbourne, Australia with the tech company Oracle. So, um, and then we were only ever going to stay for two years, but for any of your listeners who've moved abroad or overseas, um, you know, the best laid plans, things happen. And uh, Connor started school. He started prep right when we moved here. And, and we just all started settling in and there was never really a good time or, you know, a great reason to move back to the U.S. So here we, here we are. We're still here. Now we're stuck here. I know. Amazing. You've got kids very similar to ages and age gap that we've done. So ours are five, three and one at the moment. So we're in like the thick of it point of time. Absolutely. The thick of it. But it's, so, it's such a great oh, age. It's such very a great cute. Age. All so are great but I really, I just loved that time. Lots of, you know, lots of work, but lots of laughs, lots of, they're funny and fun and it's great. They are, they're hilarious. They, they definitely make you laugh every day. But I also would love to explore how, that bravery that must have been that decision to move overseas with a little bub, like away from family support, I'm sure. How was that? Well, because we only thought, you know, the, these <laughs> decisions are easy, easy if you just compact it into a short amount of time. Mm. because we had one, two years max. Mm. So we rented our house and when we picked, you know, I, I didn't think, you know, I think everybody thought we were coming back, including us. Mm. Um, but the lifestyle in Wellington was great. And then we moved to Melbourne and we just, yeah, it was, and again, Scott's job was good and our lifestyle was good. I was, I had always worked full time. Mm. And so to just be able to focus on the kids um, and do some other work, but but sort of smaller and, and more on my terms. I don't know. It was just working for us. Yeah, so that's we, beautiful. We're Aussie. We feel we're, you know, we've got our heart in two countries for sure, though. I love that. Does that, you know, I can't imagine um, what, you know, 2020 and also now has been like where that decision or opportunity to go visit and whatnot has been taken away for a little bit. How's that been for you? Well, I do think of families like yours with young kids that are relying on, you know, the grandparents, the families to come and visit uh, either either way, just to make mm. sure you're connecting with cousins and extended family. That was really important to us. So we we spent a lot of time and money going back to the U.S. Um, mm. Pretty much every Aussie winter, we'd go back for a few weeks. Um, but, you know, our kids are grown now. They're out of the house. They've got their young careers here. Sadly, our parents have passed away. My husband actually had to go back for his mother's funeral um, mm. and then was stuck in the U.S. for a while and had to come back through the quarantine. He did all of that last September. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, technology is a wonderful thing. Mm. It's great that we can Zoom and FaceTime and et cetera, but it's nothing like the real thing. So as soon as we can book a flight, I'm, 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 going, I'm going home. I still call it home. Uh -oh. Just, just oh, purpose it just to connect. Yeah, I love that. And the in-person connections just can't be replaced, can it? Yeah. Um, you know, the reason why we're here, I guess, is um, it's a really big topic and it's one to really explore. Like you've just created something so magical over the last few years in the event um, that's called Connor's Run. And I would love for you to tell me, I guess, um, in your own words, how this event has taken place, but also what it's meant to you and why you've um, created it. So our eldest son, Connor, when he was 17, he was finishing year 11 at Brighton Grammar School in the Bayside suburbs of Melbourne. 
and he was exhibiting uh, he had headaches and he was tired and he couldn't write well and we didn't know if he was stressed we actually weren't sure but one very long very stressful very sad day we discovered that he had a brain tumor in early December of 2012 um, he had surgery which left him with a lot of impairments he had a lot of rehab as a result of that um, he then had radiation which was grueling but mm. necessary um, and then chemotherapy but 16 months after he was diagnosed he passed away but he was amazing and I think people who have been with somebody of any age that's gone through um, you know there's those sudden accidents and, and illnesses that take somebody quickly my dad died quickly of a heart attack but for Connor that we had that 16 months of time it's terrible for the person but selfishly for all of us, it was just this time of intense bonding and love. And Connor was so actually mind blowing. He was then 18 and he was so philosophical. He just infused us with wonder and awe at the way he handled his illness and how kind he was to us and how much he was trying to give us quickly before, you know, he knew he was going to be gone. And so he, it was quite profound, I have to say. And just before he was diagnosed, he, he hated running, which is somewhat ironic. Um, he loved rowing. And so he was rowing at Brighton Grammar, but actually hated running. It was mm -hmm. September and we, I was away with my daughter and my husband was away with our other son. Connor was home alone for mm -hmm. a few nights. We thought he was old enough at 17 to do that, but we couldn't get a hold of him. And mm -hmm. when I did, he said, oh, I ran to the boat sheds. So we're in the, Sandring we're in the suburb of Sandringham along the beach in Melbourne. Mm -hmm. Honor, without telling anyone, somehow got himself off of Call of Duty, which he had been playing, and got, you know, put his runners on and ran down to the boat sheds where their rowing shed was. So that was such a memorable, out of the box, sort of, you know, strange that he would do that. Yeah. So when he passed away, and I'm talking days after, um, uh, somebody from his school was here working with his brother. And he was leaving and he said, now what to us? And it was, I think three days after Connor's funeral. So 10 days after he passed away. And he said, now what? And no one else had sort of said that to me. And I, I hadn't even had a moment to think now what? But there was something inside of me. Connor's spirit was still shining bright. It's still shining bright. Mm -hmm. And there was just something that compelled me to think, we have to do something. When the doctor said to us when Connor was, um, you know, going through the treatment, you know, one of the, at the end, one of the doctors said, I'm sorry, there's nothing, there's no cure for what Connor has. There's nothing we can do for him. Mm -hmm. And that just, that just stopped me in my tracks. I, I was so didn't want to hear that. I was in complete denial. I did mm -hmm. not want to believe it, but then, you know, it was true for him mm -hmm. and it's still true for way too many kids. But yeah. I decided that I would, devote my life to helping change the odds for other families and other kids going through it. And, you know, I think you as a mom know there are jobs you do for love that you yeah. wouldn't do anyone or anything else, your children. Um, yeah. And so this is very much a passion project for me. It's become something much, much more obviously in yeah. the, in the eight years that we've been going. Um, but yes, um, no regrets. Connor's with us every single day. And we think the events, absolutely unreal and it's somewhat magical itself and I think for people who do it they they know what I'm talking about yeah I, I read um on your website that 
you know, you have this beautiful quote at the bottom of the page of, I love what I do, but I hate why I'm doing it. And I thought that was such a beautiful way to sum that up. I know. And I always think, if Connor were here, I'd have so much more time. <laughs> I have, I mean, you know, I'm so busy. And let's be honest, brain, brain cancer, I'm not, a, I'm not a research scientist. Yeah. And I, I often think, Connor, of all the challenges that you could have left me with, brain cancer, really? Like, could there might. be something more complicated? Kids no. are so high maintenance. <laughs> from the moment. Exactly. But, but he did believe in me, which is very sweet. I mean, he, he did when he was little, as mm -hmm. often think their moms can do everything. Yeah, um, they do. Yeah. What was his, um, you know, you mentioned how profound he was in those um, last months and really gifted you with so much um, hope, but also purpose, I guess, as well. Was that a very different change in his personality? You know, you're talking a 17-year-old boy moving into such a mature and really big moment um did you see a really big change in him or was he always that kind of old soul and you know really he was, he was old soul it's mm. funny because he never was in a hurry um yeah. he was super smart so teachers teachers that got him loved him yeah teachers couldn't understand why this kid who was bright wasn't applying himself a bit more probably found him quite challenging his yeah. friends for the most part found him entertaining because mm -hmm. he had that sort of quick wit that intelligent people have, but also he viewed and did things in kind of a quirky, not always sort of normal way, which yeah. maybe, maybe to be funny. But when he was diagnosed, I'm like, oh my gosh, Connor, maybe you haven't been lazy this whole time. Maybe it's from the brain tumor. And he said, Mom, you can't blame it. You can't, you know, give the brain tumor all the credit. I'm like, oh yes, I can. So he was uh, as a young kid. And again, he had a brother and sister, all kids, as you know, very, very mm. different. Yeah. Connor was, we, I come from a very sporty family. And so, mm. you know, throwing the ball, he'd maybe not really even catch it, drop it, wander off, look at the trees, look at the stock. You know, he was yeah. uh, totally in his own. He had a, a huge imagination. He had imaginary friends when we moved to New Zealand when he was little. Um, he was a very interesting person he left us like I say with a lot of material he had mm. pi memorized to 100 digits which is some random you know number yeah he loved he was one of three kids that was about to do BCE Latin and he loved it and so he loved things that were interesting and challenging but he kept me on my toes as his mom I mean we were going to museums we were taking trips to interesting places you know it was a a total different type of child rearing yeah it's really funny when you um end up with a child that you're like but but we're both sporty like oh, uh, <laughs> i know i know but you know that's good too it just i love you know, it and yeah. connor's so smart and way smarter than me like really from day dot i kind of yeah. knew he was um yeah. so that was a chance but he thought i was i'm like yeah anyway we that's we got through it but he he was you know he was a vegetarian um, in year seven when he was 13, which was hard. And at the end of that, he said, mom, I'd quit. I'd eat meat, but I don't want you to win. Isn't that terrible? Because oh, I was so worried about him getting like protein and healthy. Yeah. So we had a bit of that, you know, he was, he was, yeah, interesting, but lots of fun. And he, like I said, lots, he's given us lots of material and we don't stray too far. Um, we've got a lovely story 
if you don't mind my sharing yeah. with um so because connor hated running connor's run is not about winning or even running let's be yes. honest you can walk stroll jog few people take it seriously and want to get there as fast as they can those people are fine um but Connor did yoga as part of his rehab and yoga was something I had never done. Now I'm completely devoted to yoga. Mm -hmm. um, but at the time I, I really hadn't, uh, but he did. And he did it with a gorgeous friend of ours. And it was a really special time for him. And it was as beautiful as yoga can be. And at, at sort of the end, he was having a hard time moving. Everything was hard. And so they weren't doing a ton of movement. They were um, doing some slow breathing, different things in the yoga practice. And, and one time she said to Connor, Patricia said to Connor, um, now we're going to think of an intention and an, an affirmation. And this affirmation intention starts with, I will, you can end it any way you want. Um, and we'll just sit and think about it. And you don't have to tell me, you can keep it to yourself. And he looked at her without missing a beat and said, I will be awesome. I know. And I, she didn't tell me that till after he had passed away. Um, but he knew mm -hmm. he was terminally ill. And it's like, Connor, how did you know? You are awesome. So now when people do the run, when they register, they can create their own I will. Uh -huh. And so they're all over the map from, you know, maybe an athletic affirmation or maybe something, you know, I'll find a reason to smile every day. Um, and then at the actual event on your participant, not running bib or your racing mm -hmm. bib, your participant bib, um, there's a place that you can fill in your own, I will. Oh, that is beautiful. Gosh, you, there must be some incredible sentences and affirmations. My favorite them. part, reading people's I wills. Oh. Um, and then we've got Sharpie to come on as a sponsor, even better. Oh, so yes. everybody who does it gets a Sharpie pen um, so they can write their own I will. So that's just a yes. great part. Oh, I love that. Now, I can imagine organising an event is not an easy feat. We organised a virtual conference last year and I, I had a meltdown after. I was like, that is too much. How has that been for you? How, how have you gone, you know, I guess balancing that while still having a lot of moments for Connor and I'm sure it all kind of moulds into the same thing where it is all aligned to purpose. But, yeah, what is, I guess, sport, hey? Like, it's well, magical. Well, well. Again, for those of you who mm. are listening, I'm guessing a lot of your listeners do these events. Mm. I don't know if you're like me, but whenever I go to an event, I'm always fascinated. Like, how is it being organized? How have they communicated? How is it being set up? Does it does it feel, you know, well, right? You know, I've got, I'm looking at all of that now. Mm. Um, but at the time when somebody suggested we do this run that Connor did once, um, I was like, oh, I love that idea. But how do you, do, I mean, mm. how, do you do an event? how do you do a run? So we reached out to David Hansen, who, again, depending on who's listening, David is well known in the industry. He ran the um, Olympics, the triathlon in the Sydney Olympics, and he had Super Sprint, which was the triathlon series. Um, somebody said, ring him. I know him. He lives in our area. So I rang him on a Friday. I'll never forget. It was a Friday afternoon. It must have been late. April, it was right after Connor had passed away. Mm. And I thought, I'm too nervous. I don't know what I'm going to say. I'll leave a message. And he answered the phone from his <laughs> office. The rest of the team had gone off to an event. Now that I know him, I, that was highly unusual. And I said, oh, um, oh, I was, you know, I was going to leave a message. I'm not really sure what to 
say? So I'm fumbling my way through and I'm like, oh, I don't know if you've heard of Connor Dawes. And he's like, oh, Connor Dawes, absolutely. My boys go to Brighton Grammar. I went to Brighton Grammar. I live in the community. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, we're thinking about doing a run in his name. And, and he said, I can't believe you're calling me. Like, it's like a week after his funeral. And I said, I know, I just felt like I should get going and start planning, figuring it out. And so, and he, he was great. Cause I said, you know, Connor ran from our house and want to go to the city. And, and Connor ran along the PN highway and we, he stopped at every red light. And David said, no, 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 no. Run, cars and athletes don't mix. You want to take that to the shore. Um, and so he was good. And he said, listen, you've got to get counsel to say yes. And you're mm. going through three councils, Bayside, mm. Bayside City, Port Phillip City of Melbourne. So find a day. Here's the, I've got contacts at each. Tell them I told you to call. Good luck. Call me back if you get, and I know when we hung up, he thought she, she won't call me back because there's no way there's going to be a day in September that all councils have, you know, not really. it was so weird. I think the whole season kicks off like the next week. So we we went and looked at the calendar and Connor did it in September. So yeah. we wanted to do it in September and school holidays. Yeah. So we backed it up and it's the last Sunday always before the school holidays and that next Friday. And it worked. And anyway, he sort of held our hand. I got this great group of women, the originals. This, there were six of us with my husband and our marketing guy was great who lives in Sweden now. Um, and we sat around our table, our dining room table. Now there's 20 plus. Um, it's a whole different thing now, but those originals are all still with us. That's beautiful. And um, what were the numbers like in that first event that you held? Well, we, we thought, oh, should we go for 500? And the con we had to call the consuls. Yes, yes, that's fine. So David said, so we have a longer run, which is the Connors original mm -hmm. from Hampton Life Saving. Uh, that that area there and it goes right along the beach past Katani Gardens the second start is in Katani Gardens it goes down to the spirit of Tasmania and then along the the tram line into um, South Bank down and then it ends at that mm -hmm. little park um, so through our when Connor passed away his brother Nick was in year 11 and his sister was in year nine at Furbank and so those two schools still are majorly, majorly involved and very enthusiastic about getting their students involved. So we got to 500 pretty quickly. And then we went back and said, oh, could we do 750? And then and then we then we thought, oh, wow, there's still a demand. And then we went to 1,000. Um, and they said, OK, 1,000 is probably good for your first year. So wow. we did that. Um, and it's ebbed and flowed. But now we're trying to get 5,000. And we feel that's a good number because yeah. the roads aren't closed. We're sharing. Um, a path, you know, with other people that are out on their bikes and walking, etc. Amazing. That is so cool. Now you mentioned um, Connor's brother and sister. How's their, what's their journey been like throughout these last years since Connor passed? Um, listen, I think it's hard. It's hard for siblings. Mm. Nick, Nick lost his best friend. Yeah. You know, he said to me, maybe just a year ago, he said, I'll never have another best friend which I mean, he's got a gorgeous partner and, and that's mm. great. And he has wonderful friends, he does. But it's, you know, you're never gonna, you know, it's hard. Their whole life is, so our happy, happy occasions of which we have many mm. are peppered with a little bit of sadness too, because it yeah. would be better if Connor were here sharing those with us. 
Mm. So we just have to feel him and we do feel him. And I, I do know, and we all know that Connor would not want us to be sad without him. I mm. mean, and it's, you think of yourself and again, for people listening, you know, if you were given a terminal illness, a diagnosis, yes, it's horrible, but you immediately think of the people you love and you think, oh, I don't want them to be sad. So I, I do think of him and I think a lot of where my strength comes from and my attitude, and I know for his brother and sister and my husband, Scott, we all, we all feel that and his friends feel it too. There's a bit of pride, mm -hmm. you know, that you wanna, you wanna do well by him, by his memory. I love that. I love that. And I love that you brought up that celebration piece. How has that been for you in terms of refinding the, I guess, permission to smile and celebrate and laugh? What was that like? Um, I, I think that I am by nature a positive person. Mm. And even, even when Connor was going through it, I worked really hard to sort of right the ship. You know, mm -hmm. I just, and I also have to say, I don't know if anyone's ever seen the movie Ordinary People with Mary Tyler Moore and Timothy Hutton. I'm aging myself again. But a, a, one of the brothers dies and, mm -hmm. and her character, the mom, is so unhappy. Basically mm -hmm. taking out on the Timothy Hutton character. Um, so I just, that's, and I watched that when I was young. But it's sort of, I remembered that really struck a chord with me. And I just mm -hmm. thought, Nick and Hannah, I've got to keep my SHIT together. <laughs> you know, I can't lose the plot. It's not, and, and that's been good for me. Thank goodness for them. Because, you know, they can't, we've been through enough. So we're just trying to hold stuff together. And, mm -hmm. and that being happy. And yes, I, I think that's why it's important also not to judge. Mm -hmm. You know, you, if people saw me and they see me laughing and having fun, I am laughing and having fun. But it doesn't take away that there's something much, much deeper going on inside of me that's, you know, huge. And mm. I, 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 liken, I liken this grieving to a chronic illness. Mm. So for people who have lost somebody, you know, and I've lost my parents who I was super close to, uh, my mm. brother, sadly, just passed away two years ago. But, you know, so that losing... Mm. Uh, uh, but it's different. Connor, Connor's been so much more massive because he was so young and it was just my son. Um, but I think of it as a chronic illness. So I, I do think that I have to be kind to myself. Mm. I have to be kind to others. I can't, you know, try to get irritated. I mean, I try not to get irritated with, you know, everyone's got stuff. People say stuff. People don't think People yeah. might even, I don't, I actually don't really even care what people, it's quite liberating really. Once you really stop caring, um, you know, I'm doing this, I'm focused, I'm passionate, I'm doing the best I can. I'm trying to help others. And, you know, mm. I can't do much more than that. So mm. I'm not too hard on myself. Also, what we're trying to do is super complicated. Am I going to make any progress in my lifetime? That's another thing I say to our kids and my husband. I'm like, oh, I feel like I have to hurry. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot to do and there's a lot I want to do. So yeah, we've got to get moving. Yeah. And, and to be honest, like that purpose, you may not actually ever achieve that big why, right? And I think that's for most of us, we probably won't ever achieve our big why, our dream big, our impact. 
but every day that we can add to that and be aligned to that, it feels so, you know, powerful. And I think exactly. feels this, and it yeah. does become a way of your life, you know, mm -hmm. you know, again, for athletes and I swam competitively as, you know, for 10 years all through mm -hmm. when I was younger. Um, now I'm rowing, which is something Connor. So I've, I've taken up rowing and yoga since Connor's yes. passed. But um, habits, yeah, I think habits are really important. Um, what works for you? Like I, I exercise better. I, you know, I've got somebody, I, you know, I've got people I do things with um, and that makes me commit to it. But then it also just becomes part of my schedule, part of my week. And that, that works for me. Yeah, that's amazing. Now, I, I don't want to move on before I kind of cover this because you mentioned a few times that grieving mum kind of thing. Was there, is this like, I'm sure people don't necessarily know how to react around these situations or what to say. And I'm assuming there's probably be a little bit of stigma around that as well. Have you, is that something you experienced or would like to share with us, you know, what that's like, but also what we can do better in these situations to be there? I actually think people are pretty good. You know, it, it's the it's the the one the one bad one always seems to stand out. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's what that's like, humans. We focus on that one negative. Don't we? So we are. I think people. I think people are genuinely kind and they're genuinely caring. And they. But again, I also I also don't want like I've got great friends and Connor's friends are still very close to us, and so I I either knew or I felt or somehow I just thought. I don't want to burden people too with with my grief. Like mm. I, it is sort of personal, and it is sort of you know. And some people might be talking to people that can help them through things they're thinking about. And people might have one or two friends that are willing. But I, I don't sort of dive deep with people because it's heavy, and it's also my baggage. Mm. And so I think I I have, you know, most, and I have lots of. Sadly, I know not lots of families now that have lost a child. And I think the ones that have tried to have, again, it's like a chronic illness. You always have to keep trying, not always good. You've got to sometimes reset, regroup. Um, I think those that try to do something positive, try to commemorate their child or person in a loving, beautiful way, um, people respect that. But then you also have to respect other people as well. Like our event is so omnipresent where we are. I'm, I actually try not to talk about it. I mean, I do, of course, if somebody heard that they would laugh at me because if you're wearing your t-shirt and I see you, I'm high-fiving, waving, beeping my, honking my horn. Um, but, you know, we're in a group situation. I, yeah, I just, I try to keep it in perspective with whoever I'm with as well. Mm. oh that's beautiful but yeah you should be so proud because I'm like the numbers that you've raised as well like you know the impact there is just so significant and you should be so proud yeah I am and that a couple of years ago mm. um, we made a very concerted effort to embrace other families so if anybody's listening that has a brain tumor or cancer you know, all those people get registration complimentary. We're certainly not going to charge anybody in our community because we're doing it for them. Yeah. Um, but they they often with their communities, they're our biggest fundraisers. So we are trying to raise money in their child's name because I know how important that is to have your child's name live on 
and mm. do good in their own name. So that's something we've worked really hard towards as well. And, and coordinating, I feel somebody told me, don't back the horse, back the race, meaning research is happening all over the place. We need to step back and have a, a more of a coordinated effort. There are nine children's cancer hospitals in Australia to New Zealand. Mm. And so we work with sort of, we try to work with groups that are looking after all of them mm. um, and then the research as well. And we started our charity in the US. Oh, so that's, that's amazing. <laughs> amazing. And we've got Connor's Run, which is wonderful. Connor's cousins who are now in their twenties are at work and they're getting their workplaces involved. Oh. Um, so we also have a Your Way Any Day version, thanks to COVID last year. Yeah. So obviously our one day Melbourne event wasn't happening. So we created the Your Way Any Day through September, which is also um, Children's Cancer Awareness Month. So all of that, all these things connecting and yeah, it's good. That's so cool. You mentioned um, how active the schools are still in this Connor's run. And also it stuck with me that, you know, that shock of Connor getting off the couch to go for a run. What's been your finding here? Like, you know, I think so many of us are like, oh, millennials are so hard to get off the devices, but you have given them purpose and a movement. So I would love to hear, you know, what you found through this experience um, for that generation as well and how to, you know, get them moving and active. And I think Connor is an interesting role model because yeah. I think all of us have a bit of lazy in us and we all have a bit. Of, he just said it like, I hate running. I'm like, you don't hate it. You know, as a mom says, he goes, no, yeah. I do hate it. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, um, that he did it because he wanted to do something bigger. He did love rowing. He wanted to make that first eight. Mm. And that something inside of him, and maybe he also wasn't feeling well. He was diagnosed just a bit after that. Maybe he was trying to shake the cobwebs, you know, trying to understand what's going on. Why am I not feeling mm. quite right? But again, being a teenage boy, he wasn't really articulating all of that to us very well, you know, apart from we could tell he was tired, etc. Um, but I think he's, you know, that that he did it and that we're not, you're just celebrating your own awesomeness. And that I will committing to your own intention. I think people like that. It's like, okay, I, I like that. It's like, okay, my way I'm doing this, I'm going to help other kids with brain cancer. But I'm also going to do something good for me. I also think young people don't, I don't know if that people know it's not widely known that brain cancer is the number one disease killer of young Australians. It's actually true in the US as well. So, you know, more kids will get say leukemia, but there's, they're, they're surviving. Where mm. with brain cancer, um, there have been some improvements since we've begun and I'm so proud of those, but the statistics still aren't great. Um, so I think people, young kids helping their own demographic, something about that feels good too. Mm, absolutely. And, and you've mentioned a few times now, you know, how much sport has played a part in your life. And also now, you know, obviously how much it is playing a role continually in your life in many ways. What does, you know, I guess sport mean to you, but also, you know, that word athlete or performance mean to you? And has it shifted over time? Well, yes, well. I'm not the athlete I used to be. Um, I I grew up in a, like I said, 
my family were all good at everything. I just had to try a lot harder to be okay. So I think I was maybe a little bit like Connor, but probably more, probably a bit more sporty if I'm really mm. being honest. Um, and I think as you age, so, you know, I said I swam and I used to run. I did a triathlon series, I told you, yeah. uh, a few years ago. Um, and that was fun. And I've got a gorgeous picture of Connor hugging me. I'll find it so you can share it because it's, oh, it's the best photo of him. He was like so relieved that I'd come out of the water, I think. <laughs> She's a bot. Yes, it was so good. Um, but I think you also have to listen to your body. I mean, this, I am, I am an outdoor, so, you know, obviously a lot of walking, a lot of yoga, um, a lot of, I'm, I'm into golf. I, I also came from a golfing family. So, you know, I'm in my mid fifties now. And I think those sort of sports are good for me. Mm. Um, I think an athlete is, I, I just, I don't want people to be hard on themselves, you know? And I suppose I was when I was competing, I had quite, and my daughter who's uh, loves her sport and very, you know, you get really focused on something. And I think that's good to have a goal, but I also think it's okay. Like you're saying, you know, do you, do you ever actually attain, you set this impossible goal for yourself, but you should be okay if you don't get there kind of a thing. Do you know what I'm saying like you know I, the disappointment of not getting something that you work so hard to achieve um i don't know i i suppose that's what makes sports so interesting i remember my daughter who also rode and they had never lost and then they lost at the head of the river oh my gosh tears devastated tears and i just said people wouldn't watch if it was predictable if the winners always won nobody would be that that's what makes sports so thrilling is mm. the unknown and every day is different and i suppose that's what makes it exciting um that's what you know you're in awe of people like tiger woods when you watch him play and he he, he makes something that isn't easy look you know he, he just is off the charts mm -hmm. and you know any of those athletes that are just so beautiful to watch because they just know their sport you know yeah. high-end tennis players um but yeah i would say i'm uh i'm an active participant does that make me an athlete? I don't know, but I don't know either. I, I feel like even when I was at my you know prime of triathlon days and training many hours a week, I still didn't associate or identify as an athlete. I was just someone who did triathlon and you know yeah. participated in triathlon. Um, yeah, it's a really interesting thing how we can train so hard or be so part of a sport, but still not be like, oh no, no, that athlete word is definitely not me. Like <laughs> I'm not not that. Yeah. I mean, in high school, I would say with my swimming, mm. I was def definitely, definitely 100%. Yeah. Um, but also like huge, you know, and I just saw the swimming here for the Olympics and my heart goes out to them. You know, they train. It is a sport where you train so hard and everything is down to that, you know, millimeter of a, you know, nano of a second. It makes such a difference. And, you know, you're chasing that line. Um, but, but there's something in it too that's oddly relaxing, enjoyable. Sounds weird because you're in the water for hours and hours, but there is some mentality. And I do think that athletes who have that mentality, you know, you can apply it to work, you can apply it to your children, you can apply, you know, there's a lot of the mindset that I think, as long as you have in a positive way, um, I think it's probably better for you than not. 
Love that. One thing that's really stood out for me is just um, action, right? Like you, even in those moments that would have been so overwhelming and relentless, you still took that step forward and you took action and really you've summed up that definition of resilience. What's the action you're going to take when those adverse events or things happen? And, you know, they could be really small adverse events or they could be all the way up to, you know, what you've experienced. And also I think the word of like just fearless, like I feel like you've just really let go of those expectations but also, you know, the weight of what people think of you, you know, coming down I, on you. It's just allowed you to act. Oh. I don't know if you saw this, but somebody no. a week before Connor died left yeah. flowers at our door with an anonymous note that said, be fearless, Liz. Oh, and I still don't know. And I now I tell the story. I'm like, I don't want to know. That's part of the magic. But yeah. it, it was one of those sort of, I just held it and kept staring at it. Mm. Like, you know, we were getting all these, I'm thinking of you, so sorry. You know, but somebody thought that I needed to hear, be fearless. Mm. And I thought, wow, a couple of weeks before my eldest son is dying, somebody mm. is telling me. And it was like, you know, a higher sign. And I, I, I do think of that. And I, I am... You know, I'm a, I'm afraid, but I'm maybe not afraid to have a go. Um, so I also came up with this term productive grieving, yeah. which um, isn't probably for everybody. Some people, you know, again, that's the other thing about grieving is my husband, my kids, me, his break. Everybody does it their own way. And that's another thing of just respecting how other people are, are managing that situation. Yeah, I really love that term. I think that's a beautiful thing that it really sums up, you know, your actions that you've taken, but also allows for that, you know, lack of, there's no judgment, no matter what that grievance looks like for you or what that feels like. There is no playbook here. Um, there's no and still, way. every day, I'm on mm. such a huge learning curve. Yeah. Um, but that, but that, that is why I went back to that, you know, I love what I do. I hate why I'm doing it because there are so many layers running the event. Mm. We've got tons of other events. We've got merchandise. We've got, you know, now we're trying to get donors that might want to donate more, you know, more than just, you know, every year, because then we can do planning with that. Mm. Um, the research, how, who, who are we going to fund? How do we figure that out? You know, so everything is, but, but I like that. Um, and again, trying not to just doing what I can do. Uh, a really nice, mm. one of the pediatric brain cancer doctors at a conference a few years ago, we were in Adelaide and I think he was from Sydney and he said, oh, I, I'm so glad I got to meet you. And I've heard, you know, all of your energy and what you're bringing into the sector. And it's just great. And he said, I just, I do want to, I do want to give you some advice. And I'm like, oh, yes. Okay. He said, pace yourself. Like, don't, like, we need you. Mm. Like, this needs philanthropists. Government will come, but, you know, that's hard work, too. Um, and so I thought, oh, that, I think of that, too. It's, it's nice mm. when people give you little things of wisdom that you can then remember when you're going too crazy. It's like, yes, pace myself. I don't mm. want to burn out. Wow, that's actually very good advice that I think a lot of us could take on because, yeah, it, it can be obsessive, right? Like when you are aligned to purpose and I feel like 
you know, there's many times, particularly without um, with Compete, which we co-founded with myself and my um, husband, and alongside having three kids, but also being obsessed with a finding a industry solution. I do feel like you do push yourself harder because you are so focused and aligned and obsessed with this problem you want to solve and um, impact that you want to have. Um, and it means that you sometimes don't necessarily feel until it's too late when that burnout kind of hits or you've gone and pushed that little bit too far. So I feel like that pace yourself, but also that patience that that suggests is really important too. It'll come, it'll, yeah. And, and, for times, and again, this is how I cope. Like if it just is overwhelming, I'm better to go for a walk. I'm better to, you know, meet a friend at a cafe for a coffee and just, just take a complete break for a little bit and then just come back and, you know, and I think we all have those kind of coping mechanisms, but I, I don't feel guilty when I do that. Maybe that's getting older. Thank no, that, yeah, that's, that's a really <laughs> nice thing. I feel like that's less guilty because mm. I do remember feeling more guilty when I was younger. So anyway. Oh, I love that. I feel like everyone could take that little tip on it quite easily of just, you know, if you feel it's probably when you feel like you don't have time is that when you probably need to make time for yourself. And that's yeah a really big thing that I've tried to repeat often. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm so busy. I don't have time to go to the gym or go for a walk. And it's like, well, that's probably means it's the best time to take yourself Absolutely. out. <laughs> and even scheduling it. I remember when Connor was in prep I think it was prep and the teacher had just gone to some conference and it was all boys school and she said oh she had heard that boys their attention is better after they've exerted some energy so she had the principal of the school had agreed like four times a day the kids were just going out for like two minutes she mm. set her alarm two minutes they could just run oh. and then oh. run back and then they'd come back and then then she'd introduce something more difficult to learn mm. and I, I think of that too. And I think, oh yes, okay. If I'm going to tackle something really hard, I've just got to be, I've either got to done something that I feel good about, or I've been rowing in the morning. So I mm. feel fresh, just had a great yoga, whatever it is. It's like, oh yes, I'm in a good mindset. I'm not cluttered with all this other stuff. Love that. Now I am aware of time and that you'll have to head off very shortly. So I would love to hand you the floor in just, you know, for people who have listened today, what's the next steps if they want to get involved with your run, or I know that you've got another exciting little opportunity as well that you'd like to mention. Well, we'd love to have who's ever listening in Melbourne or would like to come to Melbourne. Hopefully all will be okay no, no. to register at connorsrun.com. And if you can't make it in Melbourne, but you want to Make your own lovely I will and be involved in the Your Way any day in September. You can also register. That's another option when you get to the website. And this year we have an opportunity and we've taken it to be one of the eight charity partners for the Noosa Triathlon. So I, I think the event was canceled last year. So people that, I don't know, somebody told me it sold out in six hours. So I think they let the people in that had tried to get in, you know, two years ago. Mm -hmm. And then this year, so now we've got, we were able to get 25 spots of which five are taken because this has all just happened in the last few days. So right now we've got 20 spots left. Um, you pay $200 to join the event and that goes towards the $1,500 that we're asking everybody to fundraise. So there is obviously, you know, if you're going to do it with us, we want you to do some fundraising. Mm -hmm. So those are sort of two ways for your lovely listeners to get involved in support. 
Love it. And I will link all of those things to the um, episode notes for you, Liz, so that everyone can just follow along and um, absolutely get involved. I love all those options. And I am so grateful that um, we had your run brought to us by one of our beautiful um, staff members that lived in Melbourne and was like, there's this run that happens. I was like, what? I need to know more. And we got the opportunity to meet. So thank you so much, Liz. It has been such a pleasure. And thank you so much for all your storytelling and the vulnerability and all of the um, things that you shared it means so so much to us and i'm sure it means a lot to our listeners and it means a lot to me it, it's very special to be able to share connor's story so thank you and thank you for listening as well thanks so much liz thank you so much for joining us on this podcast to listen to the amazing Liz we will link all of the things we talked about in the show notes so please follow through and look at all the details for that run coming up but also for the opportunity to do Noosa Triathlon uh, alongside raising some much needed funds for brain cancer research so so much to talk about I absolutely adored this chat and we'll be listening back on this multiple times I think just with how much she showed how much she added and I feel like everyone will leave this with a new insight into so many areas of life, but um, the amount of gratitude and um, contextual just awareness is just incredible. So thank you so, so much for joining us. Please reach out anytime on our socials at Compete Nutrition, um, either on Instagram or Facebook. We also have our free app for download now live. So on Android and Apple, type in Compete, C-O-M-P-E-A-T, Nutrition, and you'll be able to download from there and have a play so many free things within this app you'll have a great time a lot of recipes um, if nothing else you'll absolutely adore that piece of it so enjoy we have a lot more growing to do in that space but um, the ability to work alongside a dietitian with you when and where you need it is really what we're all about because in every aspect of life if we're looking to make changes if we're looking to take risks and be vulnerable in improving our you know relationship with food our awareness around food but also the habits that come with that um, that support when you need it and when those challenges comes up just allows you to create such an efficient and effective um, progress so that's what we're all about and it's been an absolute pleasure to host you and until next time have a fabulous week